Tonight we're reading from Ephesians chapter 6, starting to verse 18. Would you stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word? With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. So last week we took a look at the... uh, Anybody remember? This is Sunday night. What did we look at last week? Do you remember? Anybody? The armor of God, right? So we began to look at that. And what was interesting about that to me is when you look at back in verse 10, we had this command, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might and to put on the full armor of God so that you might stand firm against the schemes of the devil, right? And then it begins to go against, in verse 12, talks about who our enemy is. Okay, if it's not a battle against flesh and blood, who is it against? Verse 12 there says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so we we kind of looked at a lot of that. And remember that the word devil means slanderer. Right? The word that's used there, it means a slanderer. One who is going to deceive you and come in with lies. He's also the accuser that stands against us, accusing us day and night before our Father. And so we find those things in the Scripture, and we know them to be true. And if Satan is coming to you and he wants to attack you with his schemes, it usually has to do with some sort of lie, some sort of deceit. He wants to trick you. And I think when we, look at, we looked at the full armor of God, we're really putting on Christ. We are resting in the finished work of Christ in the gospel. We're putting on, we're coming to him in faith. We're remembering that when Satan stands accusing us, that Christ has already paid for that. And so we begin to walk through all that. Now, at the end, we, as we get to verse 18, we have one last piece to this that we didn't talk about last week. And verse 18 says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So this last piece here is we are told to be praying, and it says to pray at all times in the Spirit. That is, we're praying according to the will of God. We're praying, seeking His Word, praying, seeking His will, not just our own desires. But it says to come and with prayer petition with all times, but to be on the alert. Why do we need to be on the alert, church? How many of you ever had a job or you've been in a situation where you had to be on the alert, on the alert, right? What does that mean to be on the alert? Somebody tell me. 
Okay, so you're wide awake. You're paying attention to what's going on. Right? That makes sense. Okay? You're prepared for a crisis. Yeah, like maybe you're a watchman. You've been given a job. Hey, you're supposed to, you're on guard duty. You're supposed to keep a lookout. And if that person goes to sleep, disaster might fall, right? Uh, there's all sorts of reasons we might need to be on the alert. Uh, this afternoon, we had an interesting experience, right? So we're inside the house and just kind of chilling out. We're relaxing a little bit. And Zoe comes in and says, hey, there's a, a fire in the backyard. And she said, well, she said she thought there was a fire in the backyard. And we think, well, that's weird, right? And, like, suddenly you had to be ready. And you had to go outside and see, well, what's going on? Because you could have just, I'm just going to sit on the couch. It'll be fine. You know, we got out there, and there was a fire in the backyard. On the back end of our property, uh, we had a pile of bamboo and some things that I kind of stacked up there. And I guess somebody threw a cigarette out. And they, so we had a decent-sized fire burning in the backyard. And thankfully, where it was, we could kind of stamp it out and put some rocks out and, and then get some buckets of water and didn't have to call the fire department or anything. But you can imagine, had it just the wind blown just the right way, suddenly we'd have had a disaster in the backyard. Thankfully, she was paying attention. But when we had to be on the alert, listen, in the text, we've already been told what the enemy is. What's the enemy? Satan, the spiritual powers of darkness. And so he tells us then, in other words, you know his schemes are coming, right? You know that, that there are powers out there that want to see you fail. So be on the alert. Now, we're on the alert, and it says, with all perseverance and petition for the saints. Perseverance means you keep doing something. You're steadfast. You endure and so if you're persevering in prayer for all the saints, right? That's what it says. So we know that there's an enemy. We know that there's spiritual powers of darkness. We know that we're supposed to stand strong. But how easy is it for a brother or sister to get knocked down? Sometimes it's pretty easy, isn't it? And so what this is telling us is you need to persevere, be faithful, endure in petitioning, asking God to help your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the, that's the message that I see in this, because if not, they might fail. They might give in to the temptation. They might go through other crises, other crises that you don't know about. But it tells us here to be on the alert. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8-10, through 10, he gives us a, a warning that's kind of similar to this. It says, be, sober, of, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are, who are in the world. Do you guys hear what he says there? We have an adversary. We have the devil prowling around like a lion, seeking someone to devour. And so in all of that, you put that together with the other chapter, and he's saying, be on the alert when it comes to prayer. Our lifeline, what we go to, like for a lot of things, that we also had the sword of the Spirit, right? Which is the Word of God. But the other side of that is we have to, be per we have to persevere in prayer. We have to be on the alert, ready to pray at all times. Now look down at the text, look at verse 19. He gives some more specifics 
And what we're going to see as he wraps up this letter, this letter gets very personal. Okay, we see there's a deep connection between what's going on in Ephesus and what's going on in Paul's life and his ministry. Uh, after all, he lived there for a number of years, and so they're, they're connected. But what does he tell them to pray for? Not just all the saints, but specifically, he says, Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So when we think about praying for one another, how often do we pray prayers like that? Hey, could you pray for me this week that I would have an opportunity to share the gospel and also that I would speak boldly the way I ought to speak? Most of our time, what do we pray about in our prayer meetings? Yeah, the sick people, our elder, the elderly folks that need help. Are, is it wrong to pray for those things? It is not. But we should not do it if we neglect praying for the other things that are going on too. Because we still want to be about God's work. And I think sometimes we focus so much on the health needs that we forget to pray about where we're going as a church. The ministries of the church. Are we praying for our Sunday school classes? Are we praying for the children's class that went on this morning? Are we praying for the children's class that goes on on Wednesdays? Are we praying that we'd have opportunities to be bold and speak the gospel in the community? And I think that's something that we, if we don't pray about it, it's not going to happen. And I think it's interesting, this is the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, certainly Paul was always going to be bold and speak as he ought to, right? But here he is in prison saying, hey, would you pray for me and persevere in praying? Keep praying for me that I would proclaim or that, sorry, let me get back to it there, that I would, in opening my mouth, make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. And then in verse 20, to speak boldly as I ought to speak. Do you think sometimes Paul thought, you know what, I'd rather just sit here quietly in my prison and just mind my own business. I mean, after all, who's he witnessing to half the time? The people holding them in prison, right? And then there might be days where he's thinking, I can't believe God wants me to share the good news with those guys. The same people locking me up. And nevertheless, that is exactly what Paul's asking for. That they would pray and they would ask that he would open his mouth with boldness, the mystery of the gospel. That he would speak boldly as he ought to speak. Now, let me ask you this. Okay, we're told here, let's pray for the saints. We know Paul might have been temp very tempted. We know that he's a prisoner. How would, could being in prison be in a spiritual attack? Think about the circumstances. Hmm? It'd be depressing, right? Yeah. Is depression a real thing? Yeah, if you've ever gone through depression or walked with somebody through it, is it not a real affliction? Something that people go through and they need help and they need prayer and they need to be reminded of Scripture and, and there's all sorts of things that go on that. How about just maybe he just wanted to give up? I mean, hadn't he already said, listen, sometimes I just wanted to go home and be with the Lord. He'd already, he said even in Philippians, this joyous letter, he's like, you know, 
to live as Christ and to die as gain. I decided to stay here to help you guys, but I really want to be home with the Lord. That's where he wanted to be. And so he's going through some struggles. I mean, I, I just, I know a couple years ago, Andrew Brunson was arrested in Turkey. He was a, a missionary there. He was in prison for over two years. And I think it was almost two years before they even bothered to tell what the charges were against him. And through political means, uh, President Trump ended up getting him out of that. But it was a long row. And you know, he came out with severe PTSD, with depression. It wasn't this magical story of, of, you know, just, oh, everything was wonderful. You know, I was sustained all the time, was happy all the time. He went through some real struggles while he was in that prison, not knowing what was going to happen. We need to continue to pray for people as they go through spiritual attacks, not just in big things like that. But let me ask you this, what other sort of attacks have you seen happen to other believers? Or what spiritual attacks maybe have you experienced in your life? You see people wrestle with all sorts of things that they go through. Health issues, again, depression, sicknesses, discouragement. Yeah. Oh. Did you hear that, Tanya? She said, when you have children. (laughs) But you're right. She's saying it's worse when, it's harder when things happen to your children and your children go through things than when it happens to you. Yeah? You're right. How about the, the death of a loved one? You go through it and, and it's, part of, it's part of life. It's part of what we go through. It's part of our experience. But does that make it easy? Do we need to continue to pray for those that go through those type of things? What about divorce? There's all sorts of things as you just begin to look at life and you realize sometimes when we always say, you know, bad things happen to good people, right? People go through real spiritual attacks. And so our, the message of, that we find here is be on the alert. Be praying for them before it happens. Yes, be praying when it happens, but we need to pray before it happens as well. We need to be careful with that. Pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for the saints. Now, as we kind of move out of that, look down at verse 21. He's really getting ready to close this letter here. He says, But that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have, I, have sent, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. So we have an interesting character that comes up. And again, he's telling them, look, I sent this guy to you so that you could understand. He could give you more information about what's going on with me. And if you recall from some of his other letters, Paul is having to tell them, don't be ashamed of me because I'm imprisoned. Don't be embarrassed by this. Don't be ashamed when you go through struggles because a lot of them would look and go, if God can't protect Paul, what's he going to do for me? And the, the, you know, again, the local pagans would have been saying, yeah, look at that guy, you guys trust him. We've got him in prison. 
And they would have had to have walked through that. And so he, he cares for them. And so he sends a man, he sends Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, to make everything known to them. In other words, he cares enough to say, you know what, I'm going to send them, these guys a messenger so they can get this information. Now, you don't have to turn there, but in Acts chapter 20, verse 4, we find Tychicus there as well. He's traveling with Paul. Listen to this verse. It says, He was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, the son of Pyrrhus, and by Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derbe and Timothy, and Tychicus and Trophimus of Asia. In other words, if you go back and look at Acts, we want to know who is this Tychicus character, right? Because I can barely say his name, right? I had to make sure I, I looked it up just to make sure I was saying it right. And somebody else is still going to pronounce it differently than I am. But we have Tychicus here that we just, how many of you ever heard stories about Tychicus? You know, maybe your Bible lesson was about Tychicus. Well, maybe there should be one, right? I mean, it's an interesting Story. Well, he would accompany Paul. We see him in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. Also, if you were in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 14, as he's wrapping up that letter, which, by the way, uh, he's writing that there. There's, he's writing that to Timothy, but listen to what it says. Let's, let's, let me just read it. Paul tells Timothy, Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful for me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. You hear what he's telling them there? You see how personal that is? That he has a, he's un, he, these aren't just people we made up, right? This is Paul telling Timothy, hey, would you come as soon as you can because I need you. Why? Well, Demas loved this present world and he deserted me. He left. He, he, maybe it was riches. Maybe it was the comforts of the world. We don't know what happened to, to Demas, but he just got up and left and left Paul and went to Thessalonica. It says Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. They might have been performing service. We don't know why they weren't there, but Paul finds himself almost alone. It says Luke is with him. That's the gospel writer, Luke, who was serving with Paul. And he says, pick up Mark, the writer of the gospel of Mark, and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for service. And then in verse 12 there was, but Tychicus, I, sent, I have sent to Ephesus. What book, what letter we've been reading and studying? Letter to the Ephesians, right? And so he is sent, even though he was alone, even though he was struggling, he sent Tychicus to comfort and give information to the church at Ephesus. And so that's what he's talking about here at the end of Ephesians. I like, always like in 2 Timothy 2, it tells them, when you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas. In other words, I left my coat when I was there, can you please bring it to me? It's cold up here. And, and then he says, also bring the books, especially the parchments. Those might have been some of his letters that we have in our Bible today. In other words, but he's telling them, you, you just kind of see they're, they're real people. This isn't some made-up fanciful story. They were connected. These are real letters sent to real churches and serving with real people. Colossians chapter 4 
verses 7 through 9. It says, As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful brother and faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Tychicus, again, was sent to another church to give them information to let them know what was going on with Paul and the ministry and the advance of the gospel so that they could be on the alert and praying for the saints, praying for Paul to have an opportunity to speak and the others as well, but also that he might encourage them. Wouldn't it be great if we had a brother we could just send from church to church here in Athens to encourage us? He just comes in, he's there to encourage our hearts. I mean, that's, we don't ever talk about Tychicus, but don't we want someone like that in all of our churches? And we think of Barnabas, the encourager, but you've got Tychicus too. Faithfully, you know, it probably wasn't fun traveling back then. Probably wasn't always great. It probably was an adventure the first time he did it, but after he keeps getting sent out, you know, there's days he probably thought, this is terrible, but he did it so he could give that information and so that he could encourage their hearts. I've got a few things I kind of want to take out of this. We've already talked about the close relationship between Paul and his teammates and many of the churches. We talk about how they cared for him, but, you know, we don't have the Apostle Paul anymore. But what did we have come and speak to us last week in Sunday school? We had missionaries, right? And sometimes on Wednesdays we give updates of what's happening in other parts of the world. We've shared specific prayer requests. And occasionally we even hear back from the field and say, hey, th- this prayer request has been answered. You know, uh, Jenny Liu, one of the people we pray for on Wednesday nights, you know, the beginning of the summer, she said, hey, pray for this woman who is traveling with her husband for two hours just to come to church on Sundays, but she's not a believer. And guess what? By the, what, like a month ago, she said prayer, prayer was answered. She's now a believer. She's come to faith. And like you answer those things through, I mean, God is using our petitions and our prayers. I know it was more than just us. The Spirit was moving, right? And we pray with the Spirit. But other Christians were praying for that woman too. But you were praying and God used that. And that's important. But it's not just, I I was convicted uh, thinking about this passage because it's not just our missionaries to pray for though, right? Because I said this morning, we want to be a healthy church that glorifies God. But we also want to see that happen in Athens. And I wonder sometimes, why aren't we communicating more with other pastors, with other churches to get together to pray for one another? To be alert as we pray for one another that we would be bold and speak as, as we should. You guys know there's a lot of pressure these days to be very, very careful with how you speak and to water things down. And pastors are doing it all over the place. I read something this week about a guy in the United Kingdom who's not a Christian 
And he's just been really standing up a little bit and saying some bold things. And, and I haven't looked into him in detail. But he's speaking to men, right? He's telling them, look, society keeps telling you you're kind of dumb. That's the way all the TV shows portray you. And this guy, in like a few weeks, got almost a million followers on social media. And you wonder, well, why did he get those followers? All he did was say, listen, you need to grow up and be a man. Stop playing video games. It's one of the things he said. Stop looking at pornography and get a job. He said so little, and he made a big impact because he just said, you know what, I don't care. People are going to give me a hard time for saying this, but I'm going to say it. We need to speak boldly the gospel, and we need to be boldly, talk boldly when we talk about how it is as believers that we're supposed to live. We need to call sin what it is. And I need you to pray for me to speak boldly. And I need to pray for you to speak boldly because you might come to those same conversations in your workplace. But that's part of the world that we live in. But we need to be praying for Calvary Baptist down the road and Beach Haven up here and all the other churches that we find around us in this area. Nothing would glorify God more than to see all those churches be healthy churches where Christ is preached. And so we need to continue, like he says here in the text, to pray at all times in the Spirit, to be on the alert with perseverance and petition for all the saints, to pray for one another and the ministries of the church, to pray for the sick, but also to think more, in a, think in a bigger picture. How can we begin to pray even more in a concerted effort for the other churches around us, for the vision that we want to see happen here in Athens, a bigger picture even than just Forest Heights Baptist Church. It's Sunday night, so I'll just turn it over a little bit and ask, are we have questions or comments, things that stood out to you tonight? I know that's dangerous to do on, on uh, Sunday nights, but... Okay. Well, I urge you... Uh, Go back and, if you have a chance this week, go back and start in Ephesians 1. Just read the whole thing through. Think about some of the things we've talked about. Just glory in the beautiful message we, we find here. And when you get to those hard passages, you get to chapter 4, and it begins a lot of instruction. You remember that our motivation for why we do the things we do, why we can live the way God has asked us to live, is always found in the gospel. It's always found out of thanksgiving to him. It's, that motivation always comes from recognizing we've been saved by grace and recognize that we are his, purchased by his blood. So with that, I'm not going to belabor this. If you guys don't have any questions or comments, then I'll pray and then we'll have our invitation. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would Help us to be men and women of prayer, that we would be on the alert, that we would recognize the schemes of our enemy, that we would be bold to pray for those who are in persecution, pray for our missionaries, but also pray for one another, not just for healing, not just for sicknesses, but God, that you would help us to know how to pray for one another, that we would speak boldly, that we would open our mouths as we ought to. Father, I pray that you give us each of us opportunities to share the good news this week. Father, I pray for 
the Forest Heights community and the, the community meeting they're having tomorrow. God, as I meet people there, Father, even there I pray for opportunities to speak clearly the message of Christ. Father, I pray for opportunities to, to make you known, to see you glorified here in this community. Father, we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.